When some of South Carolina's football players from the offensive side of the ball met with the media this past Monday, a couple of the players made some really interesting comments that the fan base should take note of. Why is that, you may ask? I'll be discussing why today on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines, potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecocks sports teams. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Lyon, and thank you once again for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on YouTube, and as always, wherever you get your podcasts daily. All right, so for today's show, there are a couple of different topics that I want to dive into. At the end of today's show, I want to go in-depth on why I think South Carolina and Southern Cal, basically the Battle of the USC's, needs to happen once again in the near future, and how the game could be set up, and what benefits it could bring to South Carolina's football program. But once again, that's going to be for the end of the show. Before I get into all of that... I have got some real big thoughts here on some of the comments that were made by some of South Carolina's offensive players with their press conferences that they held on Monday afternoon. So I'm going to be talking about some comments that Juju McDowell, Eric Douglas, and Marshawn Lloyd made on today's show and what they mean and why the fans should care about them. So let's go ahead and jump on right into it. One big takeaway that I had when looking at some of these comments was it looks like the entire offense is on the same page in terms of playing for one another and holding each other accountable and also understanding just how much of the upcoming season could ride on their performance. And there's a couple other things I want to get into as well, but I'll save that for segment two. So let's start off with Juju McDowell. There was one particular comment that Juju McDowell made that really got my attention here. When Juju was asked about what he liked about the offense so far in fall camp and what he wanted to see heading into week two of fall camp, Juju, after thinking on it for a few seconds, would say, quote, the consistency and the outsourcing. Coach Satterfield is allowing us to do things that we like. He's becoming a player-first guy. Of course, he has his scheme and his mentality, but there's been times where he has come up to us in the middle of meeting asking, what would y'all want to do? What would you rather do that would help the team be more successful in a real serious and genuine way? And Juju would continue by saying, that's something you don't really see in a coaching staff. I really got to give him his props for that. Now, there's a particular reason why I wanted to discuss this comment. A couple of different reasons. The first one that I'm going to address dates back to the 2021 season. Now, I don't want to dive too far into, of course, how bad the offense was last year. But as I've covered in previous shows, the offense obviously did not get the job done enough on the field this past season. Now, the reason I bring up this comment in particular, there were rumblings, and I want to emphasize heavily here, rumblings last season that there were some issues internally in terms of the offensive coaches being able to get on the same page. There were rumblings online on message boards for different websites alike and also on social media that 
Coach Satterfield and the offensive coaches did not always see eye-to-eye in terms of play calling. Maybe a few of the assistant coaches had some suggestions or ideas based on the matchups that they had or the team they were facing in their overall scheme, and they would propose it. And according to these rumblings, Marcus Satterfield apparently more often than not would just brush these off to the side. And it got to a point, again, according to these rumblings, where Coach Shane Beamer apparently had to have a sit-down meeting with all the coaches together or separately or maybe even both and pretty much set everyone straight and let Marcus Satterfield know that he needs to take more input from the assistant coaches. Now, I want to say once again, these are mere rumblings. I have not seen anything to confirm any of these rumblings. There hasn't been any big story that I can talk about offhand right now that really um, solidifies what all was said online with South Carolina's offense this past year. Again, it could have been just fans maybe that were really upset about what was going on trying to cause a stir. That does happen sometimes, I will admit. But there's also an old adage that when there is smoke, there is indeed fire. And I will admit myself personally, seeing this same rumor come up as many times as it did last year over and over and over and over again, you at some point when you see something so often, you want to start to sit there and believe that there's some truth to it. Why else would this continuously be brought up in discussion and in conversation? Now, of course, does that mean that every single rumor you find on the internet is true? No, it does not whatsoever. But the point is, this rumor matriculated enough to where a lot of Gamecock fans had started to assume that this might mean Marcus Satterfield wasn't going to return for 2022. Well, obviously, it's fall camp for 2022. Marcus Satterfield's still the offensive coordinator. And it seems like if there were issues last year, at least for now, the staff has gotten past that. And this is why I think Juju McDowell's comments here really are quite profound because these comments to a certain degree imply that there were indeed some issues in terms of what he said which was a perfect description for this outsourcing basically just asking other people's opinions and it seems like that coach Satterfield if there were issues again this past season that he has taken the advice of coach Beamer or anyone who may have talked to him to heart and he is really trying to change the way that he comes up with his game plans this season. Of course, I have even mentioned offensive analyst Freddie Kitchens, who was a former head coach in the NFL. And with a year he was the Browns offensive coordinator, the Browns were lighting it up on offense. So you got a guy like that now as an analyst who can help you with game planning. And then if Satterfield is truly talking to all the players on offense about what kind of plays they want to run, what stuff will put them in the best position to be successful on Saturdays, South Carolina's opponents had better be concerned about this. Because if South Carolina can find a way to properly utilize all of the talent that they have on this offense, then this offense could be light years better than they were this past year. Again, you look at the guys that they return in Josh Van, Jaheim Bell obviously at tight end or wide back as he would like to have it put. 
Marshawn Lloyd at running back. You add in guys like Christian Bill Smith, Dante Miller. You also return Juju McDowell at running back. You add Antoine Wells Jr. and Corey Rucker at receiver to go along with Dakaron Joyner and Xavier Leggett and Amarian Brown, who is returning. At tight end, going back there, you have Travion Keenan returning. You add Nate Atkins, and you if I didn't mention earlier, you add Austin Stockner to this tight end room. So my point is, South Carolina might not have a guy where it's like, oh, this guy is for sure going to win the Blitnikoff Award, or this guy's going to win the award for best running back in the country, or we got two, three, four All-Americans at this one spot right here. South Carolina might not have that as a whole, but the sum of the parts of this offense is going to make this offense really, really troubling for South Carolina's opponents to defend in terms of how many guys you got to cover at one time and account for, if Marcus Satterfield can get this play calling sorted out, if he can find a rhythm with the personnel that he now has this year, then yeah, this is something Gamecock fans should really take note of. It's why I am highlighting this in the show today. And if this does indeed take place, then South Carolina's offense is definitely primed to take a step forward this upcoming season. Now, of course, there's also a couple other guys that went up to the podium and spoke on Monday afternoon, including Marshawn Lloyd and Eric Douglas, along with Juju McDowell, and they had more of a discussion or had more answers to certain questions regarding the mentality of the team, how the offense was looking in practice, and sort of gave some insight into what the accountability is like on the team this year, and I'm going to dive into all of that in segment two in just a couple moments, but before I do that, I do need to have a quick, serious conversation with all of you, and this message really comes from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, who was a sponsor for today's show. Now, We are all ready for football season, which means you might be tailgating with family and friends, which might also mean certain beverages will be had. And for some of you, potentially too many beverages. As the festivities come to a close and people will start heading back home, you might think of calling for a ride. But nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. Besides, what are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst thing that could happen? Your insurance goes up a few hundred bucks. You lose your license completely. You lose your job. You total your car. Or even worse, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risk of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there as we speak looking for impaired drivers on our roads every single day to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few too many drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride from a friend or even call an Uber. Anything but getting behind the wheel inebriated. It only takes one mistake to change your life or, unfortunately, someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. And real quickly, once again, I want to thank you for listening to today's show where we cover Gamecock sports every single day. All right, now I mentioned earlier with today's show that I had an overall takeaway from these comments from the players that it seems like the entire offense is on the same page in terms of playing for one another, meaning holding each other accountable, and they understand the gravity of what their performance on offense will have on this team's overall win-loss record this upcoming season. And because of that, it really has caused 
I don't want to say maybe a sense of urgency, but, you know, a sense of everyone understands that they have a certain responsibility and that they cannot just do this by themselves. It seems like there's just a lot more cohesion with the offense right now. So with all that bearing in mind, I want to continue with some of Juju's comments that he had on Monday. Juju did also mention that he's not paying attention to where he's playing in the offense. He said in a joking manner even that he would play center if the coaches wanted him to. Now, of course, this is coming from a guy who's about 5'8", 5'9", maybe around 185, 190 pounds. And while Juju definitely has a real high motor on the football field, I don't know if at that size he would want to play center. At least I wouldn't want to do that. But He did say that on Monday's press conference, and he also did say that he had made a pact with graduate transfer running back Dante Miller that they would do extra work after practice and even admitted that one day he tried to get out of it. He tried to get out of Dodge, get back to his apartment or wherever he lives before they could do this extra work, and Dante Miller apparently prevented him from leaving, and they ended up doing, I guess, some footwork drills or something like that before they were able to get out of there. So again, just really shows y'all how much Juju is willing to do for this offense, anything to help out the team. This will be a theme for these other comments I'm about to mention, and of course, how he's trying to hold himself accountable along with his teammates like Dante Miller as well. So Marshawn Lloyd was another person who was at the podium. It was actually the first one up at the podium on Monday afternoon. And he was asked a question relating to what his thoughts were about Jaheim Bell being in the backfield, being the wide back that he is discussed as by offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield, and how that could affect how the offense is running at times. And Marshawn responded to this question by saying, Quote, whatever we need to do to win, we're all for it. Jaheim has to be in the backfield as well. Hey, he's going to be in the backfield because at the end of the day, we want to win. And we know Jaheim is a great player and he can do it all. So if they're able to put him in the backfield for some plays, then I'm all for it. So once again, this just carries back to the mentality of the team. And you know, there's actually a old phrase that was uttered by a legendary coach from Michigan in Bo Schembechler, which is a phrase that has carried on to other great coaches and great athletes in the sport of football, which is quite simple. The team, the team, the team. In other words, nothing goes above the team. Anything that you want to accomplish, anything maybe that you want to do outside of football, listen. When it's football season, when you're at, when you're in the facility, when you're in there working out, when you're out on the field practicing, it's all about the team. Tom Brady's talked about this on his documentary series, Man in the Arena, which I highly recommend you watch if you haven't done so already. I think that this quote is even on the walls of the football operations building. We saw that, I believe, in the first episode of the Welcome Home South Carolina Football miniseries just this past Wednesday. So... Obviously, this is something that is uttered a lot in this program. This is something that Shane Beaver wants from this football team. And Marshawn's comments just, once again, confirmed that this is something that has permeated out to all these guys, especially now that they've been in Shane Beamer's culture. They've been a part of his program for a year, and they have bought in, it seems like, completely. And this is great stuff to see. And another player who did talk on Monday, the last one I'll talk about for today's show, was Eric Douglas, who came up to the podium a little after Marshawn Lloyd and was asked at the end what he liked on the whole about the offense throughout the first week of fall camp, a similar question to what Juju was asked later on. 
So again, showing y'all just how much these answers validate what is really going on because multiple players are talking about this. Eric responded with how guys like Spencer and Luke at quarterback and Marshawn and Christian Bill Smith and Juju at running back are pushing the younger guys who are behind them on the depth chart to get better. And that the receivers at the time that Eric Douglas was doing this press conference, which was about 30 minutes after practice had officially ended, were actually still on the practice field fielding punts. So with accountability, which I've now mentioned multiple times in today's show, this all just shows you how serious these players on this team are taking this upcoming football season. And it shows you, once again, it's all about the team, how much they care about how the guys next to them are doing. You know, Marshawn, if there's anybody that's got a reason to be maybe a little bit selfish this season, I'll be honest, it is Marshawn, to go back to him real quick. Marshawn was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, one of the top 50-rate prospects in the entire country, very highly touted prospect that many good programs wanted. Even Georgia was pushing for him, and Georgia trots out great running backs every single year. And Marshawn, he comes in here, he's been humble since the beginning. He was going to be the number one running back in 2020, tears his ACL. Last season, you know, was kind of a lost season, I have to admit, because mentally, he just wasn't all back from the ACL tear. He was still trying to trust that knee and just how stable it actually was at that point. And now he comes back, and I'm going to be honest, certain other people who are in Marshawn's situation, or if they were in Marshawn's situation, would probably come back, and you would probably be a little bit selfish. You would probably, you know, be like, hey, listen, I was a five-star coming out of high school. They wanted me that badly. I was their number one guy. I wasn't able to play last year just because I was hurt, or I was still dealing with the after effects of my injury. I wasn't able to play freshman year. This is my running back spot. No one else is going to get as many carries as me. I'm going to be the guy. Marshawn probably could do that, and in a certain way, fans probably wouldn't have an issue with that. But Marshawn's not acting that way. None of these guys are acting that way. Spencer was a preseason Heisman contender before last year, and he's not acting like, you know, he's just walking in here and saying, oh, yeah, this is my spot. Luke, Doty, really? I've never even heard of the guy. He's not acting like that. None of these guys are acting like that, it seems like. And when you hear someone like Eric Douglas, who has been around the block multiple times, he's his sixth-year senior now in this program, and he's saying stuff like this, it really resonates with just how much this team has changed, how much this team has come together, how much they truly care about how one another is doing and are being selfless. They are willing to sacrifice some of their own statistical achievements, maybe if it's just for a drive or for a game or for even the season, maybe in certain cases, as long as the team is winning and allow teammates to come in, step in, and be able to really shine on the football field. So to sum up all of these quotes and these comments that I've gone over in today's show, Gamecock fans should be really excited about this because, again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this just tells you how much this offense is on the same page right now. It seems like everybody right now is moving in the right direction, the same direction. They all have a common goal. 
They want to win. They don't want to go out there and get trounced by Georgia and Tennessee by like three, four plus touchdowns. They don't want to have that happen. They want to play better on the road. They don't want to be struggling to beat teams like East Carolina and Vanderbilt and Troy. And they know that they've got more in them, it seems like. And the only way that you're going to reach even higher levels, that you are going to elevate your stature, that you will make the SEC fear you once again like they once did when Steve Spurrier was roaming the sidelines here just 10 years ago, the only way you're going to be able to do that is by winning. You have to win more games, and in certain cases, that means whatever your goals were, you got to push that to the side, because at the end of the day, it is all about the team. So to hear these comments, Gamecock fans, it ought to give you goosebumps. It ought to get you fired up for September 3rd against Georgia State. Really excited to see what this offense could be this upcoming fall. Welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. Let's get into the final segment of today's show, where I want to talk about a game that's only happened twice in South Carolina's football history, but is a matchup that needs to take place once again. And I'm talking about the matchup between South Carolina versus Southern Cal, the battle of the USC's. Now, now, I will admit, even though this is something I have thought about before, I cannot take full credit for having the motivation to do this on today's show. As I was scrolling through Twitter yesterday morning and came across a tweet from the Twitter account Gamecock History, which is a great Twitter account, by the way. Feel free to give them a follow if you're interested in old history regarding Gamecock athletics. But they tweeted out the 1983 game program between South Carolina and Southern Cal, where the Gamecocks won 38-14. The program cover apparently features former kicker Mark Fleetwood with holder Chris Norman. And here is the game program right here. Really, really good stuff, honestly. I love the vintage look of this program from that game. So to get back to the actual series between South Carolina and Southern Cal real quick, uh, the teams have played only twice, as I mentioned earlier, once in 1980 and again in 1983. 1980, the game took place in Southern California, where Southern Cal won at home 23-13. to They played again in 1983 in Columbia this time around, and the Gamecocks, as I mentioned earlier, would go on to win that game 38-14. to now, why does this game need to take place? Well, there's a couple of reasons why. The first being the inherently intriguing storyline over the Battle of the Moniker USC. There has been a debate between both alumni and fan bases of these schools for several years now. South Carolina's argument for having USC being their moniker is the fact that South Carolina was a state and a school before Southern Cal was ever developed. But U.S. But Southern Cal's argument, on the other hand, is the fact that, well, first of all, they were smart enough to trademark the name before South Carolina, so they've got that in their favor. But the other thing is, admittedly, from an athletic standpoint, Southern Cal just has the bigger national brand and prestige overall compared to South Carolina, unless we're maybe talking women's basketball, to be honest. So the point being, there's an argument that you can make for either side of the coin. So because of that, it would obviously reignite this discussion and debate if there were to be a football game. Now, the second reason why the South Carolina-Southern Cal game needs to take place once again is 
If the game took place, this game would give the Gamecocks a chance to expand their brand and also create national exposure or more national exposure for their program in regions they normally don't go into very often. Regions obviously like the West Coast. If this game was being held in a neutral site like Dallas, for example, maybe say Southern Cal and South Carolina don't want to have to do a home-and-home where each team has to travel that far of a distance, then they could just meet right in the middle, right there in Texas. And if you did that, then you could have coaches like Wide receivers coach Justin Stepp and head coach Shane Beamer use their connections to their advantage in terms of recruiting. I'm not certain how exactly recruiting works when it comes to neutral site games, but unless there's specified rules, I would imagine maybe some kids could be able to, you know, at least partake in watching the game. So that could be something that could really work to the benefit of South Carolina, especially. Not to say that Southern Cal wouldn't get any benefit from, say, a neutral site game in Texas, but, you know, in terms of national brand, they don't really have as much upside in order to grow it because they already have the brand that they've got. South Carolina, on the other hand, would have a lot more room to grow it on their end. So that would be another reason why, in my opinion, this game really should take place. Now, the overall question some of y'all might still be asking is, well, Andrew, you know, that all sounds well and good, but can this game actually happen? And the answer to that question is, yes, it can. And there's one reason why I say that. The simple answer is the relationship between the coaches of both respective programs. Lincoln Riley was the head coach at Oklahoma while Coach Shane Beamer was there as an assistant for the couple of seasons before he went to South Carolina to take the head gig down here. And from what I've seen, despite what Oklahoma fans might say about Lincoln Riley and how he left, the things that went down his final year there, I know that there's a lot of polarizing opinions out there about all of that. But it, as far as... His relationship with Coach Shane Beamer is concerned. I think that Lincoln Riley and Shane Beamer are on really good terms. I think they both have a really good working relationship. I think they both respect each other, at least when it comes to being a football coach. And I could totally see, you know, if either one of these programs were looking for, say, another Power 5 game for a particular season, and they really were having issues maybe coming up with one or maybe finding one for whatever reason, then I could see one of them calling up the other and saying, hey, you know, Coach Beamer, or hey, Coach Riley, do you want to do this game? Let's get this game done. Let's schedule it, you know, for like three, four years down the line. And this is a game that could end up being like a primetime game in like a 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock slot on television. It could end up being a really solid Saturday night game for both of these programs in, say, week one to start off the season. So there's a lot of reasons why, you know, this game would be really good, in my opinion, for both programs. Because when you look at Southern Cal, while I did mention their national brand and how big it is earlier compared to South Carolina's, admittedly, their brand has fallen off a little bit over the last 10, 15 years because people just don't respect Southern Cal's football program right now. They, The days of Pete Carroll roaming the sidelines and them just dominating teams like nobody's business are long gone. They've been gone for a while now. And... You know, they just haven't really done a whole lot since then. So Southern Cal, while they don't need to build up their brand as much maybe as South Carolina wants to, they do need to revitalize it. 
These are the kind of games playing teams like South Carolina from the SEC that could give Southern Cal a chance to maybe do just that. So I think there's benefit for both programs. And, you know, I don't know if anybody from those athletic departments happen to be watching this, but if you are, then, um, hey, let's get this game done. I think that both myself and a lot of fans in South Carolina's fan base would love to see this game take place. Be really, really cool for both programs, in my opinion, and create, you know, a little bit of fun ribbing online as well heading into if it were to happen. So what are y'all's thoughts on this hypothetical? Do y'all think that it would be a great idea for Southern Cal and South Carolina to once again play each other, whether it be a home-and-home or neutral site? Which one would you prefer if the game were to take place? And also, what are your thoughts on the comments made by Juju McDowell, Marshawn Lloyd, and Eric Douglas from their press conference meetings on Monday. What do you make of what they said? Do you feel like the mentality from this offense has really changed? And what do you make of this, not me, but we, team kind of mentality that really seems to have manifested and permeated throughout the entire locker room, or at least on the offensive side of the ball for certain. I do want to hear y'all's thoughts down below in the comments section, as always, if you're watching this on YouTube. But of course, if you're listening to this on an audio podcast app, wherever you get your podcast daily, you can also feel free to shoot me a message at a line underscore SC on Twitter. I check Twitter normally multiple times every single day. So if you got anything for me, I will definitely be sure to respond to it as quickly as I see it. And if you've enjoyed the Lockdown Gamecocks and you want to get more news on the entire SEC conference, then make Lockdown SEC see your second listen every day where host Chris Gordy and the local experts of Locked On take you across the entire SEC in just 30 minutes. So again, make Locked On SEC your second listen after, of course, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, y'all, that's going to do it for me on today's show. I hope that y'all have a great rest of your Wednesday. And remember, Welcome Home South Carolina Football Episode 2 is happening tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on ESPNU. So if you're not able to watch it tonight, be sure to set your DVRs to record it. Otherwise, I hope that y'all really enjoy it if you are able to watch it, and I'll be sure to give my takeaways on it on Thursday's show. But with that being said, that does it for today's show. Hope y'all have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast.